Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blostein. Fellows, welcome to OTB. It was a busy weekend. Junior day, offers, official visit, one singular one. Uh, Chris, you were traveling a little bit. I got a question for you. Did you, uh, in your travels to Orlando, go to a Busy Bee? Be busy. I did not go to Busy Bee during this trip, no. No Busy Bee stops. This was a very efficient get down, get up kind of trip. And there were but two you have... official visitors, to be clear. What? Goldie oh, Lawrence. that's right. Goldie Lawrence. He doesn't count because he already, already committed. And signed. And, and signed. signed. Yeah, that didn't count in my mind. Uh, real quick on the Busy Bee, Chris. I think we've all stopped there many a time, being from Tallahassee whenever we travel south. I assume a good chunk of our listeners are familiar with it as well. It's not a, a sponsor or an endorsement of Busy Bee, although I do love it. They're known for their remarkably clean bathrooms. And I was talking about this with Zach and Dane last week. Have you ever noticed, Chris, think about all the times you've probably gone into a busy bathroom and stopped in there, utilized it for whatever reason. Have you ever noticed anyone cleaning it, an employee in there cleaning it? Yeah, I've been in there before where there's been an employee just kind of standing, maintaining watch and cleaning it. You ruined my theory. I've never seen it. I've gone in dozens of times probably. Yeah, we we traveled once. Uh, it was fairly recently, but it was around a holiday type of weekend, and it was insanely busy, and they had an attendant basically just in there working constantly. All right. Well, this is an awful start to the podcast. <laughs> Good job, Brendan. <laughs> Crushing it. Okay, so let's get into it because there is an actual uh, lot to get to. Let's start off with the official visitor. Uh, we will not talk about Goldie Lords because, again, committed, signed. Let's talk about Dylan Brown-Turner three-star linebacker from Texas. He's committed to North Texas currently and uh, quite quite the controversial topic right now on the Knowles 24-7 message board. Zach, I'll start with you. You got a chance to catch up with Dylan afterwards. I heard the the video, the audio of it. It was really, uh, he's an impressive young man. I will say that it was a really good interview. Uh, but just your thoughts on the official visit and kind of what FSU fans should be on the lookout for from him in the in the next few days here. Yeah, so great interview with him, um, and he kind of just touched up everything that, that went into the official visit. We spoke to him right after he talked to Mike Norvell on Saturday night. He departed town on Sunday morning, um, and then, you know, it was obviously going into decision-making mode. Um, on Wednesday, which is, you know, uh, the, the traditional uh, national signing day, um, which, you know, it, it hasn't really had a ton of pub, at least from us, just because there isn't a lot of, uh, besides Dylan Brown-Turner, FSU news to break down for that day. Um, but definitely one to keep an eye on with him. He said he's going to announce his decision at 11 a.m. Central Time, so noon Eastern, um, at a ceremony at his high school on Wednesday. Um, he expects to have his decision made on either Monday or Tuesday uh, of this week. So you know, over the next 24 hours, he should know where he's going, and then he'll announce it Um publicly on Wednesday and, and sign with whatever school. Um, and, and the two schools involved are the school he's currently committed to, North Texas, and obviously Florida State. And the way he talked about FSU afterwards, he said something amongst the lines of FSU made quite the impression uh, when when yeah. there was clarification on where, FSU, where he was leaning, right, Zach? Yeah, I basically asked him, like, where does Florida State kind of stack up for you now after, you know, doing the official visit, he said, I can say Florida State made a very great impression. And then he repeated, made a very great impression. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think if FSU wants him, he'll end up in the class. 
Um, that's just kind of my impression after the weekend. Um, I do believe he's a take. You know, it, it's kind of been hard to get official word on that, to be honest, like just speaking candidly. Um, but the latest one uh, of what I'm hearing is that I believe he is a take for Florida State and, um, you know, put two and two together. I think he probably ends up in FSU's 2023 recruiting class. Let's get into yes. it. A lot of a lot of the message board does not really like Dylan Brown Turner. I think that's kind of what what the not so subtle messaging has been and thread after thread after thread. He's graded at 84.61 for the 24-7 sports composite. That makes him like a top 150, 100, no, 1,500, sorry, top 1,500 prospect nationally. Uh, so do not the blue blood, uh, blue chip type that the FSU fans would like to see and finalizing the 2023 class. Chris, I was going to, um, I was going to throw this to you. I need to cut you off. I apologize. So, uh, go ahead and let us know your thoughts on Dylan Brown Turner and kind of what the developments of this recruitment have been. Uh, and I guess just how you're basically viewing, uh, the way that the fan base is your reaction to the fan base's reaction to him, if you will. Well, on Brown Turner, I've asked around on it, uh, being around the facility the last couple of weeks because of junior days and other visitors. Just It's a conversation I've had with some folks in the building. They want another high school linebacker. They believe long-term projection-wise he's better than what you may see on film right now. They do like him. They think he's smart, checks a lot of boxes in the sense of being a good-sized athlete who can play to all parts of the field, what they want in their linebackers. They want guys who can turn and move and go to different parts of the field is a big, important thing. They also want a high school linebacker. That conversation brought about other conversations. I asked, why not go portal? Obviously, FSC's excellent in the portal. The point there is getting a good value linebacker who's basically willing to come in, not expect to start, or potentially even be like a top three, fourth guy on the depth chart overall because that position is already very well established at the top of the ranks. So just that from the FSU perspective. Of it. Personal opinion, watching his film, I think he plays too upright. I don't think he's exactly an attack dog. I don't love the film. I don't think he's awful. I don't think he's great. He definitely falls somewhere in the middle. The measurements aren't bad. The athleticism is capable, but I feel like there's a great deal of development that has to be done there, and I just it, it does not excite me when I put the film on put it very plain and simple the fan base view of it all the the kind of the, I, not not everybody's views hate but there's some that just hate it, and there's others that just are so stuck on it's a randy special that they can't get over it um i, I think it's counterproductive personally like i mean that you're dealing with a coaching staff that helped turn a team around and win 10 games last year like yeah they're not perfect they're gonna miss on some but that's true of every coaching staff in the country, even the best of the best. There's going to be whiffs. There's going to be bad evaluations. There's going to be instances where they take somebody and they don't turn into what you expect and vice versa, where they take somebody and they far exceed what you expect. Yeah, I'm willing to just live with it. It's one signing. And in this day and age, if it doesn't work in 12 to 24 months, he won't be here. It, it, you're not permanently stuck with dudes. It's not... I, I'm not sweating it, I guess is the best way I can put it. And other people worry about the numbers. I'm not going to sit here and worry about the numbers. The numbers are going to work out. If FSU, you know, the uh, Mike Norvells, the Randy Shannons, the Adam Fullers, and the Derek Rays, who are probably the four people most involved in this decision here, if they believe this kid fits, the numbers will work, then they're going to do it, and it will be fine. And long term, it will work itself out one way or the other as a positive or a negative, and anybody who got it right can beat their chest down the road. 
I'm just not sweating it that much. It's one player at the end of a class at a position where they're looking to have further depth out of the high school ranks. It's that simple. We got to check the boxes and the numbers work out in the first 10 minutes of the podcast. It's going to be a good day. Zachary? No, I just want to, I mean, here's my take on it, right? I think the kid, um, you know, anyone hating on him specifically is stupid. Don't do that. Um, it's a football player, right? Like, like, what are we doing here, right? Don't attack the kid. Um, this has nothing to do with him. He's looking for his future home. Um, you know, so wherever he ends up, you know, hope he, hope he balls out. But I guess for me, I think my personal take is I don't agree with the idea of not trying to get like an underclassman linebacker out of the transfer portal. Like, I think that's probably the best option. I think linebackers, one of the, you know, actually growing position or many positions that you can look at where it's really beneficial to take a guy that's been a co- in a college program, a college strength and conditioning program for a, f- a year or two, um, because you, you, you kind of skip that part of the development process. That's a really important part of you know, the development process from taking a high school kid and then develop, developing them into a college player. You get to evaluate a guy after he goes through that at some other program and then decide whether you want to take him then. Um, and I get it. There might not be anyone that fits what FSU is trying to do when the portal window opens up again um, in the month of May for that 15-day window, May 1st through May 15th. Um, but to me, I just don't see that absolute dire need to take a high school linebacker right now. Um, it's not like Florida State's going into the season with four or five guys on the roster. They have a decently deep room. Yes, a lot of those guys have limitations to their game, right? Like Steven Dix, he can be a, you know good in a few facets, but he's not a guy that's a complete linebacker. Um, they have other guys that you know maybe transition from other position, like Brendan Gant, um, who was a defensive back previously, um, but he's flashed some, some good to his game. So um, he's a guy that I think could be capable. And then you got youngsters like Omar Graham and DeMarco Ward who are already in the program. Blake Nicholson will join the program in the summer. I just, to me, I don't see the need for it. Um, but, you know, I'm not an FSU. I'm not managing FSU's roster um, completely and holistically. So maybe if they if they think that's a need, then, you know, go you know, have at it. But to me, I just don't understand, you know, why now? Like, right? Like, I, I if you were short on numbers and you absolutely needed another guy in that room, you know, just in, in case of injury, then sure, go take a guy. But to me, it's like you're, you're kind of building towards the future. Um, but I don't know. I, I I'm kind of indifferent on it as of right now, but um, I think that Florida State um, should have, or you know, should have more, should have put more of a priority on trying to land an uh, an underclassman linebacker out of the portal. There were a few that entered that FSU didn't really pursue. Demario Tolan's one that comes to comes to mind, but I don't know. Maybe there just weren't weren't any options in the portal in the first window that they were interested in. Zach, let me play devil's advocate here. So if you do, if you're lukewarm on a transfer linebacker, an underclassman, so if we're talking about this being like a balance of scholarships and want to have a, a blend of different you know, classes in the linebacker room, so you want to go with an underclassman to kind of split it up a little bit and have some of the future. Uh, Chris's point earlier of like you get a guy who's coming in and willing to sit after one transfer already is probably fairly yeah, it limits, it limits your your pool of guys that you can. Yeah, and the other side of that too is, or on the same side, I guess. What if you take a transfer linebacker, a redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore, something like that, 
and he doesn't work out. And you're and you're again, you're probably taking a lower level guy because he's not going to start. So you're taking someone who's developmental. You get him and he doesn't work out. Then then what happens? Because he you can't you can't process him the same way you can process a freshman who hasn't transferred yet. And I think that's that's my point. If I'm a proponent of the transfer portal, uh, obviously I've talked about it a ton. Uh, but in this case, I think getting if you have the numbers and you have the scholarship availability to take a flyer on someone with some upside, uh, then I, I think you roll the dice and you see what happens in a year or two. And if not, you cut bait and you move on. Playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Ooh. I think the timeline, hot take, I think the timeline for a high school player that doesn't pan out is almost similar to a guy that you're taking like um, in his first or second year of college through the mm-hmm. portal because they can go and graduate and become a grad transfer and transfer again. Um, usually that's what a four year process uh, on average, I would say. Um, so if you're getting a guy in year two, you know, at max, you'd probably have him for another two years and then he can go be a grad. And then um, if he's doing what's best for him, he'll go and transfer out. It's, yeah, it, it's a weird, it, it's such a lightning rod thing. And I don't really know why it's turned into that. I guess because we're bored and it's the only one. There's left. nothing else to do right now. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. what. So like, I think that's part of it. I, I do find it weird that for whatever reason, this is who we landed on. And like, it was the only one and down the stretch, there wasn't a whole lot of activity with other linebackers. I'm talking before your early signing period. That's a little bit odd to me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they thought there was going to be a portal solution and that never came. And that's why they, again, pivoted because, again, Dylan Brown-Turner kind of picked up right around Christmas, right? It was, I think, the week yeah. of Christmas is when that got going. So it's not like FSU's been involved with him for super long. It's essentially – I know they've known of him longer than that, but they've been pretty intense with him for about four or five weeks. Have you guys watched him? So I, I'm totally in agreement with Chris. The senior yeah. film is very got, mad. Junior to senior is better, which is a good yeah. sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I said earlier about I, I do think he plays way too upright, and I I like linebackers that attack downhill, and I understand FSU linebackers, what they're going to do in the system. That's only a part of it. They need guys that are athletic and go, go all directions. That's why Steven Dix doesn't work here anymore. Um, But, like, he doesn't – I don't watch it and go, man, that's what I want in a linebacker. You know, like the kid, the young man, Cam Robinson, who – it was Cam Robinson, I believe, that went to Virginia. Yeah. Love that film. And it's lesser talent. South Oak Cliff plays much better competition than what Cam Robinson plays. But, like, yeah, I, the film just doesn't – I I don't feel like FSU's uncovered some unbelievable gem, I guess is the best way I can put it. I do think the offer sheet, too, we talk about rankings, but in the state of Texas, when North Texas is the best offer that you have, and then there's this pretty vast gap with all the other Texas schools, I do think that is um, – Warranted to have a little bit of concern there. I, I will say I do like preemie injury. I like this film a lot. So I think you're banking on getting to him before he had his injury, um, getting getting that yeah. form back. And his injury, for context, is he missed half of his junior year, I believe, yeah. with the injury. Yeah. Um, so he talked about that. He talked about how Mike Norvell kind of gave delivered a message, basically like you came out, you 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 know overcame that, and that was you know something that you know we like to see because that's something that we try to strive in this program is like, you know, overcoming adversity. Um, so that was a message that, that Norvell gave to him just regarding the injury on, on the visit. They, they've they done their homework. They've been on them for a month plus. They've watched a ton of film. They've done a ton of in-person evaluation and getting them on campus. I mean, at the end of the day, those dudes are coaching for their jobs and that's what it always is. So like they're willing to take them. It is what it's going to be. 
And I think if medical's checked out from the OV and you're able to to be okay with that, like I'm totally fine with this take. I don't, I'm not in love with it. I don't understand the hand wringing of it um, because I think you can move on pretty quickly if it doesn't work out. And and that's where I'm well, with I it. see a lot of Jordan Eubanks 2.0 thrown out there. That's a, He's that's better than Jordan Eubanks. Highlights were yeah. Good. Plus, Jordan Eubanks was recruited during freaking COVID. Like the evaluation process did not exist. This is a little yes. bit different. Um, so. Just, it is. It's, it's lazy because he's from Texas. That is my barometer, though, Chris. It's funny you mention it. Whenever I'm watching a linebacker, I'm like, is he better than Jordan Eubanks? <laughs> and, and I feel bad now that I said that out loud. But Jordan Eubanks' highlights <laughs> were not fantastic when watching it. Uh, then you watched him in person, and yeah, that was a that was a era of recruiting in which you were doing a lot of projection without a lot of information, and it's different now. He went to UNLV. That's probably more the caliber of player. He's group of five. Not to say he's bad, but he was not a an FSU caliber linebacker. So I think we've spent a good amount of time on this topic, which is polarizing because we have nothing else better to talk about, apparently, at this time of year. Unless you're really into class of 2024 recruiting. In that case, uh, there's a, a ton to talk about. FSU continues to build traction in the 2024 class. We're coming off of a third junior day in as many weekends. Uh, and this one was not as robust and star-studded as some of the other ones, uh, especially last week's. But but still, there were some names who trickled in and a lot of offers that went out. So we're going to talk about some of the offers for the 2024 players. We're going to talk about some surprise visits, some big-time visits. Uh, yeah, th- there's a lot to get to here. Let's start off with someone who showed up on Friday before the junior day got going, uh, and that is FSU safety commit Jordan Pride from the Panhandle from Blunstown. Uh, Zachary, why is the Jordan Pride... Why was his one-day appearance significant? Why Why was that something that we scrambled to put up on the website as soon as we were able to confirm it? Because it was going to get a lot of page views. No, I'm kidding. Um, he went to UF, or he was scheduled to go to UF or, and did make it on uh, Saturday the next day after he went to FSU for that one-day visit on Friday. Um, so it was, a, it was an important visit for Florida State to kind of try and weather the storm. Um, you know, with Jordan Pride, Uh, He's been entertaining a bunch of other schools while he's been committed to Florida State over the past, you know, six months, basically did a lot of, uh, you know, game day visits to UF. I believe he's visited Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, some other schools um, along the way. So uh, important for Florida State to get him back on campus this month. I believe, you know, I think he would have been one of the only commits that wouldn't have made it in. I think Jamori Flagg is probably the other, but he's down in South Florida. So obviously, you know, more difficult to get up to Tallahassee um, than Jordan Pride, who lives in Blunstown, just only a few hours away. Jamori uh, Flagg picking up a lot of offers, by the way. Yeah. Sorry, continues. Side note. Florida, Miami, a bunch of other schools getting in the mix with Jamori. Um, but yeah, uh, important to get Jordan Pride. We're trying to get him on the phone and trying to recap kind of this weekend at, at you know, both FSU and UF see where his head's at, see how solid his commitment to Florida State is. To me personally, I think there's some factors surrounding Jordan Pride that are kind of working against FSU here. Um, we'll see. Um, I think Pride's family is very, you know, pro-FSU. Um, they were they, you know, they were at uh, the tour of duty workouts on Friday, posting from it, posting on Facebook, his mom specifically. Um, so that was a good sign. And I think, you know, their, their uh, focus is, you know, having him in, in Tallahassee. Um, but I think there's some other people that, that maybe don't want him here. Um, so we'll see. Um, I think Florida State's going to have to try and weather the storm um, down the stretch for him. And we're only in January. So I think this is going to be 
Um, there's going to be a lot of twists and turns with this one. You know, if he does stay committed, which as of right now, I believe, you know, he, every time I ask him, he doesn't have FSU in like his bio or whatever on Twitter and Instagram, read into that however much you want. But every time I ask him, he's, he says he's still committed to Florida State. So um, nothing new to report. You know, once we get him on the phone, uh, we'll have a story on north247.com and you can, you know, kind of get his thoughts and, and try and decipher where his head's at um, 10 months from, from National Signing Day. What's he's an hour away from tell. He's an hour away from Tallahassee. So if he doesn't show up, that that's ultra concerning. But I think Zach did an excellent job of explaining what's going on there. Um, you know, FSC has done a lot. Mike Norvell has been over there. Sertan's been over there. I believe Odell has been over there as well in recent weeks. So they've made the effort, shown the love, made it clear they want him. I'm very interested what his comments will be. He is a so top manager recruit. Nationally, right? Uh, yeah, 64th in the composite. 24-7 yeah. sports has him at 41st. I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't love the highlights. Oh. Very long, very athletic, though. Tons of work. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine with taking it because of that reason. I, like, I'm not saying, no, he's not a good prospect. I, I, I think I've watched – well, I know I've watched a handful of other – DB recruits in the 2024 cycle in the last week or so who, who I'm more intrigued by long-term, but um, that's not a knock and saying that Jordan Price is not a good player. I, th- I think we're just uh, – I would probably have him as like a top 200 player as opposed to top 100. So I'm not sweating whatever happens with this. I think the DB borders we're going to get into in the 2024 cycle, especially in the state of Florida, like the amount of DBs coming out of the state, it's absurdly deep, uh, a ton of talent, and – we see FSU keep extending offers for a reason. So I am hopeful that FSU keeps him because he is long and athletic. Like Chris said, there's something to work with there for sure. But uh, this isn't a recruitment that I'm hinging a lot of emotions onto. Some I will that this isn't one of them personally. You know how we had the Berg bump back in the day? Yeah. Are we going to have the Sinone slide now? Oh, I like it. Get it going. Where did Chris go? What happened? I don't know. I was trying to get your attention. He, he really had something to uh, take care of. So he kept looking out the window, and yeah, then he was trying to, I was trying to point towards him so you would, you know, let him say whatever he had to do. Um, but I think, oh, there we go. He's Let's coming go. back. We'll we'll get it. We'll get it figured out now. Something he's walking with like a man on a mission too. So there's something very <laughs> intriguing that just occurred. What happened, Chris? Uh, AC guys here. Uh, it's just <laughs> like semi-annual checkup. So. I was trying to get your attention to let you know that before you arrived, but he, he was coming up. So, did the AC guy like blow out your speakers while you were? <laughs> <laughs> it's better now. It came. You came in very hot at first. All right, that's good. Sorry. Top, top, top quality podcast that we're doing. I'm butchering names and. Hey, I was trying to help, man. Zach saw it. Zach saw me throwing up the sign, yeah, doing the to. I just kept rambling and talking, and I was like, "Why is no one helping me out here?" I'm like, "I'll figure it out. We got it." You weren't looking at the screen. I know I was, and I was looking at Jordan Pride's uh, 24-7 page. Okay, another safety from the 2024 cycle who was on campus this time on Sunday from Central Georgia, Warner Robins, uh, Northside High. That's Ricardo Jones. He's got a 96 grade in the 24-7 sports composite, another top 100 guy. Uh, Zach, you caught up with him, and sounds like he's going to make a return trip to Tallahassee and seemed very high on the Knolls. Yeah, um, really important to get him in in the month of January. Uh, he really made it a priority for him to get over to Tallahassee. Um, believe he played a, in a basketball game on Saturday, which is why he wasn't there <clears throat> for the junior day, uh, but made it in on Sunday. And, you know, it was a, it was a, 
uh, an important visit. Um, you got more one-on-one time actually on Sunday, just because there weren't as many prospects in Tallahassee that day. Um, as you know, it was just a, it wasn't like an official junior day, just a few prospects rolling in. Um, but Ricardo loved it. Um, he has a great relationship with Chris Thompson, which I just find funny because, you know, he's not a tight end. Uh, Chris Thompson, this, this, this old dude. And, you know, I, I just, I, I think it's um, awesome to see like Chris Thompson kind of um, building some inroads over there in the state of Georgia. He's like uh, Chris Tom or Thompson swears he could beat me in basketball, but he can't. Um, he got to meet Pastor Tan for the first time on Sunday, which is really cool. Um, he said he loved their conversation. He said Sertan kind of sat down and, and broke down, um, you know, some Florida State safety film and kind of um, exemplified kind of where uh, Jones would fit into the mix uh, with an FSU secondary. Um, so he said he loved that. Um, and like you said, Brennan, he said he's going to try to make a return visit within the month of March, I believe, for a spring practice. Um, and Jones is a, is a good looking safety prospect. And I think he's probably, you know, close to the top of FSU's board at that position. Um, just a guy that, that that they've prioritized, especially over the last month, that they as they've turned the focus um, primarily to 2024. Um, and and a really good sign that, that that they got him in on the last day that they could before the dead period um, obviously went into effect um, for the rest of this month and then you know all all of February. On a very crowded defensive backboard, I think Ricardo is one of their best options. I think he's a very well-rounded person, excellent athlete. He's six three, two hundred ish. He's a top 100 overall kid and a top like seven guy at his position. And I think those rankings are well done in that regard with him. I, I think he's one of the best. And Chris Thompson's done a hell of a job in South Georgia. If you look over the last three weekends, the amount of kids that have come in from South Georgia, as well as at the tight end position, anybody that wants to cr- criticize Chris Thompson's ability to recruit in the sense of building relationships and getting kids in for visits, eh. You know, I don't yeah. feel real good about that take anymore. Now, can he close? That's also the important part of the equation. That's where I guess there's been criticism in the past. But he's about to have that Ron Dugan's resurgence here with really good talent at his position. So, yeah. The glow up. Moving on to another defensive prospect. Let's talk about Jeremiah Marcelin from Miami, Norland. He is being recruited as a linebacker. We have him listed as a defensive end, high-end three-star. Uh he was here camping in the summer, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, yeah he definitely made it here, I think, in the summer. Um, yeah, he's been here previously. He's a kid. So, Norland, for those who don't know, is, I believe, where Randy Shannon played. So, there's obviously a little place in his heart with regards to that young man in that school. But, uh, Marcelin, it's pretty clear, is at this point, maybe the top linebacker target on the board for 2024, a board that we've talked a great deal about in recent weeks of not knowing a whole lot of names on. He is the one that I think we pretty clearly can say is on there. Plus the fact that he showed up shows there's mutual interest. Yeah. Um, you know, in, a, in our interview, he's, he's a, a great dude. And I think, uh, you know, I think like Chris said, I think uh, he's the one guy you can point to at the linebacker position as a, as a, you know, real like target. Um, you know, they, they obviously got another guy in the, this month and Edwin Spillman out of Tennessee, but I just don't see FSU making a real, uh, you know, I don't think they moved the needle enough with him. I think he's probably headed to the in-state school, um, mm-hmm. you know, UT. But I think uh, – MTSU? <laughs> Rocky Top, um, baby. Rocky Top. They own my – Play it again. Sure. Um, I think that Jeremiah Marcelin is um, really high on Florida State. I believe, you know, if you look back on his 247 profile, I believe FSU was his first offer. Um, so I think that means a lot. I, yeah, I um, believe that's correct. I think it was March yeah. of last year for the offer. 
Yeah, and Brandy Shannon, I just checked, did go to Miami Norland. So um, obviously yeah. has some ties to that school. Um, they had a bunch of Norland prospects on campus alongside Marceline this weekend. Um, so good sign to get him up. I'm going to try to get him back uh, within, you know, the, the rest of the spring months that are open, March and April. Um, and, you know, that's the, the next important key uh, before official visit season starts up. But, yeah, I think he's probably, you know, if you look at the realistic options for Florida State at linebacker right now, probably, you know, the, the top one, like Chris said, um, that, that we know of, right, that, that's visited so far. Um, you know, there's obviously some some other guys on their board, um, but we, you know, in order for there to be, you know, realist for them to be realistic options, they need to so show reciprocal interests. Um, and I think that was a good sign in, in the Jeremiah Marcelin recruitment as he showed up on FSU's campus this weekend. He, he very much so looks like. June. Okay. <laughs> I was tied well, my I didn't want to cut you off early. Sorry. I was just confirming he did, in fact, camp here in June, June 15. And one other thing I want to add, because it's going to be a nice little preview of a future name we're going to talk about here. The day FSU offered, you know who his next offer was? Miami. They were. Mm -hmm. And I would argue they're probably the other school in this recruitment that matters the most. Free scouting university. Yeah, spoiler alert there. Uh, we're, we will watch he his... Camp here in June. <laughs> Anyways, Brendan needs like a red light, green light system on his his square. Red light, green I don't, light, red light, green light. I don't think any of what's happened in the last minute has been my fault for what it's worth. I just want to uh, let you know he came here in June. Did he? June 15th. Where are the Ides of June? We will watch him along with some other players uh the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page on Tuesday, Coach AB, and I will be breaking down some names who've emerged from the weekend uh, and kind of familiarize your guys, you guys with their game a little bit more. Uh, Jeremiah Marcella visited when? When did he camp at FSU? June 1-5, 2022. Let's swing back up to South Georgia, Nicar from Colquitt County, about an hour and a half north of Tallahassee. He's a Georgia commit, rated 67th nationally in the composite. True blue chip prospect, a, a guy whose tape is a ton of fun. I know Dane Draper loves him, but Dane loves every wide receiver too. So, um, but apparently, Great he makes like it traditional and gadget, according to Dane. Uh, Dane, it's funny because Dane hates gadget players, apparently, with uh, Jaheim Bell. But, anyways, Zach, you caught up with Nikar. Let's uh, let's see, did FSU move the needle there at all? Uh, yes, they did. Um, another Chris Thompson connection said the, the coach he has the best relationship on staff. At Florida State is Chris Thompson. So that's that, that was awesome. Um, Revenge tour, baby. Yeah. Oh my but God, Nicar, I'm here for yeah. it. Nikar said that his recruitment's open. So he's just looking for a home, looking for a place to be. Um, he's committed to UGA, like you said, um, but a really good sign that Florida State could get him on campus. And he mentioned that um, he, he, he'll he definitely be back at FSU for a, probably a spring practice um, in March. And then he mentioned FSU as a possible official visit destination down the line as well i like I don't, the way fsu's wide receiver board setting up because you've got two really solid ones with diverse skill sets right now and now you can go big game hunting which is yep. a lot of fun on nine i don't know the exact details but i know there was something fsu wanted to see him improve upon uh, i think it was off the field and 
they had not offered him. They actually did not offer him until this past week. I believe they were in the school a couple days before he came down, and that's when the offer officially got extended. Now, they've recruited him a really, really long time. He's a young man they almost had down maybe last summer. I know there was a point where we thought he was coming to town, and it never happened. I think him and Landon Thomas were both expected one day, and it just it didn't come together for whatever reason. But, uh, yeah, Nye's an impressive dude, very athletic on film. You can do a whole heck of a lot of different things with him inside, outside, moving him around. Uh, kind of being like a scat type of guy and um the the arms are like the first thing when you see him like yeah the wingspan's kind of freaky for him from a measurement standpoint another athlete from southwich georgia in wilcox county is bj gibson uh, he was there on saturday and a guy who uh who recently decommitted from Tennessee's baseball program. Why is that significant? Because he's a likely two-sport player in the college level. Uh, he spent a little time at FSU's baseball practice uh, on Saturday, I believe. So uh, who caught up with, uh, with with BJ? Was it you, Zach? Uh, yes. Um, what was it? Why is that funny? No, Chris and I were just uh, messing around. But anyway, um, BJ Gibson, yeah, two-sport guy. Um, he visited with the Florida State football and baseball staff on Saturday, um, took photo shoots uh, like we saw Camden Fryer and Cam Davis do the previous week um, in, in FSU baseball uniform along with the football uniform. Um, so great visit for him. I think he's emerged as, you know, kind of Florida State's one of one of their top realistic uh, receiver targets on the board. Um, they definitely love him a ton. Um, I think he was, a, you know, originally scheduled to be at Kentucky this weekend, but decided right. instead to go to Florida State. Um, so that was a good sign. You know, Tennessee um, is kind of involved. I know Auburn recently entered the mix. UF's another school that tried to get him down or is trying to get him to visit um, in the spring. Um, and there's a few other schools that, that are obviously um, in contention for him. But says he has a great relationship with Ron Dugans. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think FSU sits in a really good spot for him as of right now. To add a couple of things to that, South Carolina visited there last week. He actually was supposed to be at FSU last week at one point, and it changed to South Carolina. I have a good relationship with BJ's coach. He's always been very good to me. Um, And talking to him, the idea last week was South Carolina and Kentucky because, well, he needs to see other places. He's been to FSU four times. Well, fast forward a week, he's back at FSU for the fifth time. You know who has a great relationship at Wilcox County with the young man and the coaching staff? Say his name. Chris Thompson. There you go. Done an excellent job there. Very, very good job with BJ. You get BJ back on campus again. Uh, very talented two-sport athlete. I think he's a kid that will try to play both in college if he goes to college. I forget how much he said to you guys in the post-interview there, Zach. But, uh, yeah, FSU's yeah. done a really good job there. Gerard Ross kind of hosted him intensely on Saturday in the sense of they had a golf cart for him and his family, rolled him around, spent a lot of time with him. But, yeah, Ron Dugans, Chris Thompson both have done an outstanding job in recruiting no, and uh, yeah, he mentioned in the interview that he does intend to play both at the next level. I don't know if FSU's like offered him baseball wise uh, a scholarship, but he did talk with that staff, um, not specific, specifically with Link Jarrett, but um, with some of the assistant coaches. Um, so there, there have been some conversations had with, with, with those guys. Um, so I guess we'll see on, on whether they, you know, pursue him as much as, you know, Florida State is uh, or Florida State football is right now. Listen up, those, Link. I, if, no, listen up, Link. If Mike Norvell wants B.J. Gibson to play football at Florida State and he wants to play baseball as well, you make some damn room. You hear me, Link? 
especially because for baseball, it would be free. Because if you're playing both here on scholarship, you're on a football scholarship. Thank you, Bear Bryant. And so, yeah, it would be free. And that's true for Cam Davis, Camden Fryer. So, like, if you're Link Jarrett and the baseball staff, yeah, you're, you're always you're down for talented, athletic young men who are free. I'm going to venture to divide. I'm going to guess that we are the only podcast, maybe outside of the state of Alabama, to have a thank you, Bear Bryant, on <laughs> January 30th, 2023. Bear Bryant, roll man. The Chris Thompson revenge tour continues. Go a little further up north. Walter Matthews, top 150 tight end from Hiram, Georgia. Zachary, what's the latest with Walter Matthews? Who's massive, by the way? Six foot seven, 245 pounds. Um, you could probably stack me on top of you, Zach, and we're getting close to to Walter Matthews. You're so weird. Um, yeah, Walter Matthews is a, is a big uh, time tight end. Um, out of the state of Georgia. And, you know, I don't think he's quite six, seven. I think he said he measured in at six, five. Um, so I think we got him, Brendan. Um, oh yeah. Take that. Yeah. Walter. Um, but yeah, he, he, he made it sound like, you know, coming into the visit, he was kind of still, you know, not really expecting a ton from Florida state, but I think the visit kind of um, blew his expectations out of the water. I think FSU has emerged as, as a real contender for him now. Um, I don't know that if that was the case before the trip, um, Ohio State sounds like a school that's really involved and has made you know good early headway in his recruitment. Um, I don't you know know of other schools. I think Michigan's another uh, program he mentioned. A few other uh, programs you know surrounding um, the state of Georgia that that are involved. I'll go back in the interview. I, I don't remember exactly the, the schools he mentioned, but I know he did say that FSU is a program that's on the rise in his in his recruitment and in a school he plans to visit um, again down the line. So Hiram, where he is from, has multiple prospects. Clinton Richards, and one that came with him, an offensive lineman that has an offer from FSU. They've got a couple other kids. I think the linebacker, who's a 2025 kid, was also with them. Some of those guys also came to a game last season. I think it might have been Florida, may have been Louisiana Lafayette. It was late in the season. Um, on Walter Matthews, go watch the film. It's fun. He's a big, silky, smooth, large human who catches the ball and can do a whole heck of a lot. So it's a very, very good tight end year. And FSU's had a number of them on campus in recent weeks, and he just adds to that list. Hiram, I barely know him. We want to talk about the players that Florida State has, has offered coming out of the weekend. Yes. Do we want to talk about the players that Miami has just piggybacked on to offer after? Yeah, why don't you talk about Is your Is it more than one? I know they did it with the one. It's just one, right? Don't correct me when I'm just saying one. It's the second time you guys have done this today. Don't ruin my narratives. Don't be nitpicky. I was was sort of in and out yesterday, so I didn't know if a second one happened. I'm sorry. It's okay. I forgive you. Let's start off with my favorite offer from the day. I guess he's my boy now, Zach. Is that what we're saying? Yes. Why? Because I built a profile for him. Yeah, and you 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 graded him at ninety three point five. Does he let does he let him call him an OJ? Does he let you call him OJ yet, or are you still calling him by his actual given name? Romanes Federique Jr. Which I told my wife yesterday, if your name is Romanes Federique, you have to like every kid afterwards has to carry on the legacy. It needs to be a third, a fourth. Like it's a fantastic name. OJ is in the Twitter handle. I don't know what that's about. That's that's the name that was on his uh, FSU name tag. The name okay. OJ. Okay. I'm calling him OJ because God knows I will screw the other one up. I told someone involved with recruiting the other day, like, oh, he goes by OJ. And he said, oh, Jesus. And I was like, exactly. 
Uh, he's a six foot one, 175 pound corner. He played at Deerfield Beach last year. Deerfield Beach kind of, I mean, used to be really good this past year. They only won three games. So maybe that's why he's under the, the radar. But he's transferred to STA, uh, St. Thomas cool. Aquinas. Yes. Thank you, Zach. I, I fixed it. Uh, and FSU was his first offer. I said at the time it would not be his last after watching him. And within 24 hours, Miami offered as well. So. And he plays for South Florida Express, right? Yeah. Uh, or is it, so is how Express the hell does he not have an offer? That's I, I've asked. Like multiple, that, I've the asked film is good. People. It's crazy. He's at multiple st- staples for South Florida recruiting, and he plays for whether it's Fire or SFB, whichever one. He plays for a seven-on program that also gets their dudes offered. Like it's in the film. I mean, put the film on. It's good. I presume the grades are fine too. If FSU is pulling the trigger. Yeah. Uh, I've asked multiple people, Chris, and I've not gotten a clear answer as to why he he hasn't didn't have an offer. But FSU's is first, uh, Miami's is second. I do not think he's. I don't know if he's visited Miami. So I mean, I guess they would have seen him. Would they have seen him like around during Battle Miami, Zach? Like Miami? No, they can't be out there. Okay, so I just don't understand. I mean, I'm just trying to give Miami staff the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think he's visited. So peculiar. Yeah. They saw the film after you you put it up and graded him in the ninety three. Did I grade him in a ninety three? I mean, yeah. are you gonna be their new OC? Are you the mystery candidate? I will. You and Dan Mullen. I, I'm mulling it over if they're gonna pay me uh, whatever. They're how much money are they spending on the buyout? Do we know. Probably a ton. Hmm. I mean, I, hiring a great coach like Josh Gaddis does not come cheap. No, they probably had to pay a lot of money for him. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, just. Miami's going to keep throwing money at it and you kind of have to keep throwing money at it until you fix it or it's just going to crash and burn. So it'll be fun to watch. It's, it's I mean, we've seen people waste money before. High 18 million. Yeah. And that was kind of a similar thing. They, they threw a million dollars at Kendall Bryles to help Willie Taggart out. And, uh, and then Willie took away play calling duties from him against Wake Forest and was the reportedly reportedly no 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 we reported it uh so it would be purportedly for us and we got it sourced through four different people all uh different elements of the program quarterbacks play callers not play callers i feel pretty damn good about that one with tcu employees the head coach may have lied to us in the press conference after that and then got mad after that we've Reported it still. Those good times. Good times. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've come a long way. Look at us on the glow up. Romanus Frederike Jr. OJ. Big fan of his game. Yeah. He uh big, long athlete, can turn and run, uh, plays the ball extremely well. He's a good wide receiver, putt return skills as well. Like there's a ton to like about him. The DB board just it, I mentioned earlier, it just keeps expanding for FSU uh, in, in the cycle, and for good reason. I was talking about this with Andrew Ivins yesterday morning. We were just texting back and forth over a few different names, and and he's like – and I was trying to ask Andrew, like, how – any reasons why, like, we've never heard of Frederike before, and he was like, it just he's like the DV class in 2024 is, is nuts. It, it just – guys keep emerging. So I think that's it's a good year. If you're in the DV market, you're going to find a handful of good players who might currently be under the radar but probably won't be for a while. Uh, next up, sticking with South Georgia. Have you guys noticed the themes? A lot of South Georgia here uh, today in the last couple of weekends. That's defensive tackle Nazir Johnson from Dublin, Georgia. Chris, Dublin, Ireland. Beautiful place. Say his name. Who recruits him? Chris Thompson? Yep. Uh, so, so, when did, hey, real, real quick, when did Jeremiah Marcellin, uh camp at FSU? June, June 15th. Got it. 
So on uh, Big Nas, nasty as he wants to be, he, Dublin, Georgia is kind of middle of nowhere in this world still. There are those places that exist. He's it, it, is, it is midway between, uh, I was going to say Statesboro, which I guess is technically true too, but Savannah and uh, what's the one that starts with an M in the middle of the state? Macon. Macon, thank you. I'm glad I interrupted you for that tidbit. You're all good. Uh, but on those there, you know, people aren't going to go by that school unless they know a reason to. And I guess nobody knew that FSU had gone by mm-hmm. there during January. So them getting them in was kind of expected. Him getting an offer wasn't entirely shocking. It was a very good long-term projection offer. He He's – the film is – there's really good moments. The athleticism is there. Without a shadow of a doubt, he's a large human with good athleticism. So, like, you know that. It's now what can we mold him into be? How good can he be as a football player is probably the question mark with him. I think he's a kid that they will continue to evaluate, go see in the spring, see how he's progressing on the football field, and probably want to get in for camp. And that's where Odell will put the vice grip on him and kind of run him through the ringer and see can he be the guy that I want him to be. And, yeah, FSU getting in early there, it's smart. Big body guys who are long-term projections. An example of this was uh, last week in Ty Hilton, the kid from Oviedo is kind of that. He's a talented offensive tackle in a state with not a lot of good offensive tackles. So you go ahead and get in on ground level and you keep recruiting, keep evaluating and see if it turns into what you want it to be long term. And maybe it ends up being in your class. I don't think that offer to Nazir is one to, hey, commit right now. Would they take a commitment? That's to be determined. But I don't think that's the intention of the offer. I think the intention of that offer is, yes, we like you a heck of a lot. We think you're good enough. We want to keep doing this recruitment with you. But yeah, big body, large human, stands out in the athleticism. Go watch the film. Yeah, uh, he said he measured in at six foot four and three quarters and over 300 pounds. Um, and he can do a backflip, um, which is just pretty much insane. Um, yeah, I, I love the athletic upside for him. I think FSU, you know, kind of maybe uncovered a gem here. Um, you know, we'll see kind of. I think the next evaluation step, like Chris said, is getting him in for camp. I think that's going to be a really important um, thing. And we know Odell loves to do that with his guys. Um, so definitely excited to kind of see him um, develop maybe over spring ball and then, you know, into the summer as he's able to get on FSU's campus, um, hopefully again for, for a, a, a camp in June. I think he actually got to FSU on Friday this weekend, too. He was there very early Saturday morning. Him and the South Florida group were the first guys in the building. But from yeah. what I was told, he actually got there Friday. And he uh, he said that in his interview that he literally met with Mike Norvell like that morning and got the offer and then visited for, you know, the next few hours and then left, you know, around when everyone else left around, you know, 2, 3 p.m. Over under on Odell yelling lower 20 times. <laughs> well, um, he yells at NFL draft picks when they're going into their junior year. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident. Uh, but Isaiah Johnson does play really high, so that'll be a fun, a fun development to watch and see how he takes to that. Uh, oh, one point that I want to make on, on both of you guys say that they think Isaiah Johnson will be a camp guy for FSU. I, I get the feeling, and I haven't heard this from anyone, but just based on like what they're offering from projection wise and, and frames for all these guys, a lot of them are offers to camp. I think that just yeah. makes a lot of sense. You want to get them in, see them in person, slap the GPS on them, see what that says and what that tracks and then you can kind of make some informed decisions from there but there's a lot of guys who fsu is currently their best offer for right now i don't know how many are takes today i think a lot of it is let's see what happens in the next few months this is like a um i was gonna make a dating analogy but probably not appropriate to do with 
with high school recruits. They're not scared of getting in on the ground level of a guy they believe in, but they're also not going to go all the way in and put themselves in a situation where they're taking a guy before they've done every bit of evaluation they want to in the process. Another uh, very much so developmental prospect, but someone where you, you see it because of the size and frame and some of the movement skills, and that's Rainer Andrews, offensive tackle from, I think, Miami Jackson, is it? Uh, six foot six, 315 pounds, mean streak to him. Uh, I, I was thinking about as I was writing the scouting report on, on him going back to Lloyd Willis, another offensive tackle prospect from Miami, and yes, moved a little bit better than Rainer Andrews does. But the lack of physicality that Lloyd Willis had, it was total projection. Uh, whereas Raynor, and- like, I don't think he had a sing- singular pancake. Whereas Raynor Andrews' entire film is him just throwing people around, figuring out what to do with some of the footwork and hand placement is like that. That's that's all stuff you have to develop. But the physical tools there, guys, uh, it there's there's something there, and he's going to be a, a fun player to watch develop uh, wherever he lands in college. Yeah, I think he's going to end up uh, end up at Norland next season. Um, at least I think yeah. that's the plan as of right now. Um, kind of similar to Ty Hilton that I referenced not too long ago. I think it's a get in on a ground level in a state that doesn't have a lot of great offensive tackle type of targets and see what he turns into. And, you know, he's got, what, seven, eight offers at this point. I know Rutgers is in there. I think uh, uh, UCF pulled the trigger the other day when they were there as well. Large human alert. Capable of throwing people around, strong upper body. Footwork is pretty awful at this stage. Yeah, there's development to go on there, but we'll see what he turns into as he keeps playing football more and more. Yeah, he uh, the size is legit in person, like when I saw him. Um, and I think specifically with Florida State's offensive line, I don't think Alex Atkins is in love uh, with this. You know, like Florida State and Alex, Alex Atkins are not in love with the 2024 you know offensive line you know position just in general. Um, so I think what they're going to do is try and expand the board some with some some offers and then try to get all these guys to probably camp in the summer, like we were mentioning earlier, um, to try and get in-person evaluations, you know, um, where, where they can actually you know coach them up and see how, the, how, how they respond to that kind of stuff. So um, I think that's kind of, you know, specifically with offensive line, I think that's what Florida State's probably going to do. Um, and I think that's, you know, I, I mentioned on the official visit show with Trey and I on our YouTube page. Um, that I think that's the position you're going to see, along with linebacker, maybe edge rusher. Uh, Florida State's going to kind of widen the net a little bit, expand or expand the board and, and extend some offers over the next few months, and then try to narrow it down kind of in the later portion of the summer than into the season as they as they try and land their guys. Yeah, to add to that, I think outside of Cam Pringle, who's already committed to South Carolina, our farm system school, that there is non-offensive tackle that they're just absolutely in love with nationally. So another offensive lineman who was offered, not a tackle, and he was one of three players from Creekside High in Fairburn, Georgia. Uh, what's happening? Why why are there three offers from, from Creekside High? It's a good program. Yeah, um, I mean, they brought in a, a group of guys uh, for the junior day, um, and I think these are the three guys that probably have you know, the highest you know upside of, of being at FSU's level. Caleb Holmes is a four-star um, in our rankings, you know, a top 200 kid, I believe. Um Guard, more of a guard type, not not a tackle, I would say. Um, and I think uh, Florida State, like I said, I think a lot of these are kind of, you know, maybe you know, camp offers. Um, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that any of these guys would be takes for sure as of right now. Um, but FSU wants to, you know, enter their recruitment, and a lot of a lot of times that you know you, that requires you to extend an offer, whether that be a committable offer or not. Um, you know, you're, you're 
formally entering their recruitment, um, I guess you, some could say. But, yeah. You know, on the hoof, you know who Caleb Holmes reminded me of immediately, like when I first saw him, was Trey Jackson. Oh, I was going to say I don't, Demetri, I don't know. Demetri Emanuel was who I was going to guess. But I, like I, I didn't feel like he's as heavy as Meech, though. Meech is a really heavy dude. Trey Jackson was a little bit more basketball big, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, type guy. Um, I just, when I first saw him, that's like who that body yelled at me. I, I don't know. Trey if Trey that well? Trey. Yeah, yeah, Trey was, was very athletic. Okay. I thought that's what Caleb Holmes, the offensive lineman that we're talking about, uh, moves. His, his first step is really impressive, and he moves well in space. I've truthfully not yet watched his film. So. It, he, he good, not out of this world, but you see like appeal of why he's getting power five offers. He's a big guy who can move. And Zach interviewed him afterwards. His interview was super impressive, just like personality wise. Like I can see why Alex Atkins, who's himself very cerebral and intellectual, like I can see why he gravitated towards Caleb Holmes and offered him after the visit. Makes a ton of sense. Uh, Kayvon Gray, uh, another cornerback prospect who was offered over the weekend, also from Creekside High School. I liked him a good deal as well. I think he's got potential to end up being a low-end four-star for us uh, once once the film is out a little bit more with him. Kentucky offered in the last week, so Mark Stoops offering a DB, usually a good sign. UCF offered. FSU joins the list there as well. He's listed at six foot, 165, which is thin. I'm not sure if you saw him in person, Zach. I, I thought the arm length on film looked really good, but did, did you get a chance to see him uh, leaving, leaving the more? Yeah, I mean, we got photos of him too, I think, um, somewhere in the – I mean, there were – hundreds of prospects on campus so it's a little bit tough but yeah i mean he's a he's a thinner kid not um not they have a running back that got offered as well that we'll mention in a bit that was more like a thicker build and mm-hmm. um you know compared to gray he, uh gray's a little obviously a little bit thinner yeah, yeah so he, rod mccrary's a running back he's referencing i'm interested he also plays safety i'm interested what they like him as i'm gonna try to catch up with him today it's a i think as a running back based on running back what I could gather. Yeah. I was, I, I asked, I feel like that's a thanks for coming kind of offer then because I, I don't, he's 24. So like their board is pretty well determined right now. Running back at 24. He, to me, big, uh, he, a lot of Rodney Hill vibes, not quite as explosive. Obviously Rodney Hill's GPS stuff is, is really high end, uh, but kind of that compact frame runs with really good contact balance. Uh, but, but again, not quite as, splashy and as explosive i think as as rodney is so it's gonna work but fsu does have a type right like cj campbell rodney hill uh those are guys who fsu likes that uh treshawn ward likes that that body type and, and that kind of quick cutting skill set uh and I, I think rod mccrary has some of that to him he's better than what his current like offer like fsu's by far his best but it was mostly like g5 or fcs offers he should be yeah. a high-end G5 guy, low-end P5 guy, in my estimation. Um, yeah, I updated things for him. I know you had, like, Bowling Green, Eastern Michigan, that whole yeah. gamut of those types. And I think Indiana was in there. I think they may have actually been first on him. Um, and Tom knows how to look at football players and find that. Indiana, yeah, I, so. I think Indiana would be, like, a great fit for him. That'd be yeah. kind of the the where he should be. Well, like, if you're expanding your board a little bit, again, this is a an offer-to-camp kind of deal, like, Slap the GPS on him, see what the see what the MPH is, and then figure it out. Be like, okay, is is the speed maybe a little bit better than we think it looks like on film? And and then maybe he moves up your board to be your you know, your backup plan. Uh, who's the who's the number two for them right now? Uh, like the the number the number two running back. Uh, the Lyle. That's it. So maybe that that doesn't work out. Like this is you look at 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 Roger McCrary. I think so. you got it. They got a bunch of options um, beforehand, but hey, you never know. 
2025, real quick, Zach, and we'll get into a little buyers to know, but there are a couple of 2025 prospects worth talking about who were on campus the last few days. I'll throw this to you to let you talk about some of the, the big name guys that some of our more dedicated listeners should should probably stash away and, and remember because these are going to be blue chip prospects FSU is going to be battling for in the next year or two. Yeah, I mean, the first is five-star defensive end, Jared Smith, out of the state of Alabama. How do we feel about that? We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but Jared Smith is the number one edge rusher in the country in 2025, according to the, the top 247, or actually the 24-7 sports composite rankings. Um, Jared said he loved it. It was his first ever time at FSU. Um, he did the the UF FSU, you know, two two visits in one weekend um, deal, um, went to UF on Saturday and then FSU on Sunday, uh, spent a few hours around Coach JP. I think the main connected FSU is Austin Tucker, who's an off-field analyst. Um, who has a lot of ties to the state of Alabama, um, was was the lead recruiter for a guy like Keldrick Falk um, early on and kind of gets FSU in the mix with, with a lot of those guys. Um, Austin also does a great job with a guy like Alvin Henderson, um, running back that's currently unranked. I'm not sure how, uh, but it, obviously, you know, there's not been a lot of focus on ranking 2025 prospects just yet. Um, I think there's only, what, top two, top 100 out for that class. Um, so when that expands, I would expect him to be in those rankings and be one of the top running backs in the country. He's extremely explosive, a guy that FSU absolutely loves in that class. They've been in on him for a while. Austin Tucker's done a great job um, recruiting him and getting him on campus multiple times. Um, he's high on FSU. He really likes Mike Norvell, likes what um, Coach David Johnson does with those running backs um, and all the success they've had at both, both Memphis and FSU. He said they kind of broke it down um, and, and how they want to use him as more of a, you know, not a traditional running back, um, more of a gadgety guy like a Lawrence Toffili type. Um, and they broke it down, you know, how, how they're able to do that and split up carries um, like they've done at both Memphis and uh, Florida State under Mike Norvell. So um, that was something that stood out to him among FSU's presentation for him out on the visit. Um, I think that was a cool, you know, anecdote from from the interview. Um, that you can view on those 247 with him and on our YouTube channel. We recorded that interview so you guys can go um, watch it for yourselves. On Alvin Henderson, just to quickly add, Mike Norvell flew in to see him this past week. So that speaks to yeah. the focus upon him. And I believe Norvell has gone up to – Spain Park is where the D end is at. I believe he may have gone up there when he was recruiting Keldrick Falk back in December. He who should not be named for this past cycle. <laughs> Let's play a little Byers Sinone before we get out of here. Byers Sinone is sponsored by the Turner, the Turner Group. The Turner Group. Don't Sinone on buying or selling a home in Central Florida or anywhere in the state of Florida, for that matter, just because it's a, a potentially hectic and not potentially hectic. It, it will often be a hectic process and, and draining emotionally. Uh, but Colin Turner and the Turner Group will make it as easy and, and painless as humanly possible. Colin is super responsive, works really hard. Also just very likable, fun, energetic guy to be around, and uh, and a diehard FSU fan as well. So, if you want to to explore what the the home market will look like, Colin Turner can help you out. You can reach him at 407-403-8546 or email him at get started at the Turner Can help you out with all your needs and and just happy to talk shop with you about Florida State. So, uh, thank you, Colin, for sponsoring this quirky little segment called Buy or Sinone. Uh, let's start off with. Irikia 14, buyers known. Dylan Gibbons was the most impactful transfer to date in the Mike Norvell era. I'm going to Sinone 
off the off the bat here. And even though it was only one year, I think the and he's close. Dylan Gibbons is close, but I got to go with uh, with Jermaine Johnson as number one, just because of what he meant for you to get Jarrett Verse the next year, and culturally what where Jermaine Johnson was able to do in addition to his on-field impact, obviously a first round draft pick was huge. So Jermaine Johnson for me. I think that's an excellent answer. I agree. That was the first name that came to my mind. Um, so also known it. Dylan Gibbons might be second on that list though. Just, you got him for two years. Yeah. He provided stability at a position group that really needed it. And culturally, like mm-hmm. there's going to be things that he did, even just as symbolic as the fist bump, like they're going to continue doing that. And that's just something that Dylan Gibbons like imparted on this program. But the other guy going on a podium with the NFL commissioner to get his jersey is kind of the thing that trumps up. I I agree. I agree. Uh, Jay Moser, too. Byers to Brendan is playing too much college football revamped. Oh, I'll buy that. I'm pretty confident. Uh, a certain staff member who I won't name, but is bald, has a great beard, and is a big fan <laughs> of all of us. He told Brendan to quit playing the game and grow the hell up. I think that was his exact quote. He can text us if he needs to. Sounds like someone who's jealous of how I'm living my life right now. <laughs> By Ors Sedone, FSU adds two more transfers in the spring window. This is from Rebel Noel 1. I, that's a good number. Uh, that's where I would set it at. I would lean. Well, let's get your thoughts, Zach. Byers to known uh, two transfers or more. So two plus. Two or more? Two or more. Two plus. Okay. I'll buy because I think they're going to get two. Okay. I'll Chris? also buy. I think they get a safety, obviously. And then I think it's just a likelihood that post spring you have some kind of roster adjustment that you need to address. And I'm going to go with known just partially to be different, but I'm pulling up the FSU roster breakdown. Oh, it was not popping up easy. It's what, like 88, 89 right now, and Dylan Brown Turner would make it 89 or 90. Yeah, so then you're talking about having to move on from five to six, which is totally reasonable. That like That's realistic. Um, but I just think you're starting to probably run low on numbers at that point. So uh, I will just be more conservative in that approach and say one, and I think it's safety still that you would look to add. I would definitely sell on the or more part. I'll put it that way. I agree. I don't think it would be higher than two. Uh, Broward, Noel 15, Byers to known. The 2023 high school class will change this week. Uh, I think that means a commitment. I'm at a buy on that right now. I think they'll they'll get DBT. Bye. Yeah, I'm at a buy for right now, too. As we mentioned earlier, and we we're pretty candid about, we don't know with complete certainty that that is happening, but we believe it will. Data Science Null wants to know, buyers to know, in the 24 class will have a blue chip ratio above 50%. Uh, for what it's worth, I think they were just in the high school class this past year, one below. Uh, so why wouldn't they be above with a better year and, and more traction, right? So that's a buy. Yeah, 100% buy for me. Yeah, I think it's buy too. I think the class will be fairly decent size from a high school perspective. And I think they're going to hit pretty well. Uh, Southwest... Or SWL, excuse me, SWL Seminole buyers to know we have two more guys enter the portal after the spring. The staff doesn't want to enter the portal. This is like a Lions, Peyton, etc. This is totally projection, right? Um, because we don't know of anyone specifically who's going to enter the portal right now. Uh, I think Sinone, I, I could see maybe someone like an underclassman defensive lineman leaving, uh, potentially who you'd like to hold on to for another year. Uh, but really, they're running out of guys who I, I think are potential transfer candidates at this point. So, Chris, I'll throw this to you, but it's a Sinone for me right now. 
Yeah, I think it's a Sonona as well. Uh, to Brendan's point, I think a name like a Byron Turner, for example, much talked about on the podcast, despite not doing much on the field, is an example of that. If he comes out of spring and it feels like he's stuck, it's not moving, maybe it's time for a different pasture to go work in and try to do something different. I hope not. I really like him. Um, Abami Tafasi is someone I could think of, uh, you know, somewhat documented here, but like some some rough times early on here and uh, NIL game might might change things if, if other schools come come knocking and your defensive tackle depth yeah. top to bottom is so good even with the young guys like uh, that's just a name that i guess I would some rooms are crowded and some guys are going to make business decisions that's a good way to put it but i don't think there'll be a lot i think in general if a guy was willing to stick it out to january here and go through tour of duty and spring and all of it that comes with the physical details of that time of the year mm-hmm. there's usually a sense of buy-in and i want to see how this plays out for the coming season but some may also think well it's just not my place. It doesn't make sense for me to stay here another four to six months. I think they wanted to keep like two guys. Maybe I would say that they they would have really liked to hold on to Trayshawn Ward, Malik McLean. But it was also like a a legitimate cost analysis of like whether you you can afford them for retention and NIL opportunities compared to what you have at the room. Um, and those guys again, business decisions, playing time, and, and other factors as well. Uh, Zach, I'm sorry, I haven't gotten your thoughts on this. Uh, what are your thoughts, buyers? I'm gonna buy. Ooh, just to be different, but I don't know. Like maybe, like <laughs> I was coming out of the <laughs> just to be different. Uh, maybe I don't know. Um, no, just coming out of the uh, the spring. You know, maybe there's some guys just that, that find themselves at, at unfortunate spots on the depth chart, and they just wanna they wanna move on and, and go try to start elsewhere. Doc Holiday, eleven buyer known. Travis J is a meaningful contributor for this team next season. Uh, to find meaningful like special teams and maybe like your fourth safety, I could see that. But if anything more than that, I, I would Sonone it. Sonone. Um, I don't, you know, we haven't seen anything from, from Travis yet, you know, aside from that, uh, his first you know year, yeah, I think year, right. Where he was playing a lot. Um, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't see him being a, uh, really solid contributor. Maybe, maybe he becomes a special team star, um, but being like a, a guy on their defense that you can count on, I, I just wouldn't expect it as of right now. Yeah, I'm so noting it as a believe it when I see it kind of situation with him. We have noted on this podcast that he did exhibit to be bought in a little bit more middle of the season, working scout team. Just the body language was different with the staff, which was a good sign for him for his development. But yeah, he's not really done it. And we saw the bowl game situation where we believe he was eligible and available unlike the regular season where they got thin on numbers and they didn't even consider putting it. So to a degree, that kind of says where he is right now. That's a good point, Chris. Uh, Danny Cronin, seven, Byersonone. By the start of the 2024 season, we have at least three on-field assistant coaches who are different from who we currently have. <laughs> it's an interesting way to ask the question, Danny. Um, um, I mean, some of that comes down to promotion. I, right. I that seems like a I lot think I'm synoning it. Three, three is a big number. Yeah. Um, Alex Atkins, if they're really good offensively, Alex Atkins is going to have an opportunity to get a head coaching job and one that he probably would be interested in. If they're really good defensively, Adam Fuller probably should strike while the iron is hot and go get whatever level job he can get to be a head coach, which I believe is an aspiration of his. So that's two. And I can see that. And that would be both coordinators, which is massively significant. And also, usually when a coordinator leaves, sometimes an assistant will go with them because they get a promotion going somewhere else to do something different. But Did I'm you not see someone like a, like a, could you see someone like 
like a Chris Thompson, like if a head coaching job opens up at the FCS level, or if that's kind of what he wants yeah, to do as part of his career. I, I think, I think Chris, because of the age he is, the experience he has in coaching, that if the right kind of job, say something in Texas opened up or near te- Texas at the FCS level that fits him and his personality and what he's done in his past at like Abilene and for other places. Yeah. I, I think he would definitely listen to that. I think he'd be interested in that. I think there was a scenario this past off season, this past month where he, he not necessarily wasn't talking with somebody, but he kept the door open in case that possibility came about. I think I'm going to synonic for the reasoning you laid out, Chris, three seems high. Uh, I think if you, Danny, had asked two, you would have gotten a pretty good eh, for me to think about it. One, I think, is probably likely just because of promotional stuff at this point. We've had so, one in each of the last two off seasons, right? Kenny last year, Marcus this year. That's it, right? I'm not forgetting anything. Marv last year? Oh, and Marv, yes, Marv last year. So technically two last year, one this year, right? Yes. Uh, that sounds right, yes. So I don't want to correct you guys high, on one, one, two. Yeah. Movement. Plurals. <laughs> June fifteenth. Uh, Zach, did you answer? I said Sinone. I think uh, two is the most likely number. Very nice. So we have a handful of buyers knowns to go. What I'm going to propose is this, gentlemen. One, I have to get going soon. I don't want to undercut any of these fine, outstanding questions because they are good talking points. We will be doing a live show on Monday evening on our YouTube channel, Knowles 24-7's YouTube channel, to discuss the Florida State uh, schedule for 2023 as it's released. The ACC schedule will be announced. It'll be a whole deal at around 7 o'clock. We will start our broadcast around then, maybe a little earlier. And uh, and there will certainly be some dead time to fill, and we can rotate in some buyers to know questions sponsored by the Turner Group. Uh, does that sound good to you guys? That sounds, sounds like a fantastic idea. Maybe right, the best so idea you've had all day. Low bar. Low freaking bar. All right, last question before I get out of here. Uh, Jeremiah Marcel and Byer Sinone. June 15th. And, uh, uh, I'll, I'll buy. I, FSU seems to definitely like him, and I think Randy Shannon, who clearly has a type and recruits in a different manner that frustrates most of the internet, definitely seems like Jeremiah Marcel. I'm buying because I think he was there on June 15th. Are you sure? I'm almost certain. All right. Thanks to Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, uh, Bear Bryant, apparently, Clean Busy Bees, the Chris Thompson Revenge Tour, and uh, knowing, <laughs> knowing that Jeremiah Marslin was camping at FSU on June 15th of 2022. I'm Brendan has been on the bench. Remember, like, subscribe. I'll be on our YouTube channel later this evening if you're listening here on Monday morning. And, uh, and yeah, that'll be it for that. Goodbye. Let's talk about Dylan Turner Brown. Damn it. Three, two, one. Let's talk about Dylan Brown Turner. Three, two, one.